0: Thank you, worship team, this morning for pushing us, for challenging those boundaries in our own hearts and breaking through with worship. I hope that you feel um, and know the presence of God in this place, right? We know God is with us all the time. But I pray in this moment, especially as we turn to God's word, that we would know God's presence. And we're going to continue talking this morning, as you saw in all the songs that we sang, talking about the greatness of our God. We're going to talk about how God is greater than anything, anyone, anywhere, at any time. And yes, this is one of the most basic of thoughts when it comes to faith. But because it is most basic, it is most essential to our life of faith, because the bottom line is that the strength of your faith will always be directly tied to your belief in the greatness of God, All right? One day, um, Jesus was on a boat on some water with his disciples. He was exhausted. His strength was sapped. I'm sure that teaching and healing and performing miracles in town after town after crowd after crowd got pretty exhausting. And Jesus, in the front of the boat, falls asleep. And his disciples um, let him go to sleep. He needs the rest, right? But as Jesus sleeps, dark clouds start to overtake the sky, and the waters start to churn, and a storm begins to rise. And these disciples, remember many of them fishermen, no stranger to a boat, to the water, to the occasional roughness of the seas, begin to fear for their life. This is a rager, right? And they are scared, they are filled with fear, thinking surely they're all going to die. And Jesus stays sleeping they wake him up and they say lord please help us can't you see we're going to die and jesus gets up from his sleep and he simply says be still and everything stops the storm in the air the storm in the sea the storm in their hearts calms at the greatness of god in human flesh in their presence and Jesus says, O ye of little faith. You see, your faith, the strength of your faith will always be directly determined by and dictated by your belief in the greatness of God. I'm sure you've seen in the news this past week the passing of a couple of great sports heroes, right? Gordy Howe, some would say the greatest hockey, hockey player ever, Mr. Hockey, okay, Muhammad Ali, One of the greatest boxers, if not the greatest boxer. As a matter of fact, you know he nicknamed himself the greatest? (laughs) This was Muhammad Ali, the greatest, okay? But these heroes of sport, these great men who accomplished a great deal of greatness in their respective sports with their lives, sure, in the last 10 days are dead and gone. Which has me thinking this week as I was preparing to talk about the greatness of God How does this idea of greatness and this quest for greatness in the human spirit, in my spirit, play out in our lives? See, as people, we're attracted to the greatest, okay? People's great accomplishments, we love to see them, take record of them. But we all know records are made to be broken, right? New champions come every year, every track meet, every championship series. And yet we're attracted to the greatest things. We're attracted to the newest and the greatest fads and fashions and technologies, right? There was a time when acid wash jeans and flip phones were the greatest. <laughs> but today is not that day. You see, because in our realm, greatness kind of changes. It turns over. It has seasons. But not so with God right? Where does our quest for greatness end? Where does the chain of greatness as we see it end? Who, what really is the greatest that we seek? A couple of days ago, um, Gabriel and Keegan, my two oldest sons, were playing rock, paper, scissors. Remember this game? Um, They were at the bus stop waiting for Gabriel's bus and playing rock, paper, scissors, And, and this is how round one went. You know, they get ready, they're like, okay, ready? One, two, three, black hole! Keegan totally threw black hole out there. Gabriel, Gabriel looked completely stunned. Uh, black hole? What? I just laughed. I'm like, black hole? Where did you ever hear black hole? Keegan says, well, one of my friends at preschool says it. Black hole beats everything. <laughs> so I'm like, wow, that's great. But it's not so great for the game. Why don't you play? But don't, don't play with black hole, okay? It's just not fair. Okay, so they play again. One, two, three. God! Gabriel totally threw the God card out there. And Gabriel just looks at me and goes, God's the greatest, right? Game over, right? Game over. And yeah, it's, it's funny, right? But think about it. Here, here's the point. Where your understanding of greatness ends, that's where your faith begins, okay? Where your understanding of greatness ends. That is where your faith begins. If the greatest thing in your life is to be wealthy, then you're placing your faith in economics and money. If the greatest thing in your life is to be liked and respected, then you're placing your faith in sociology and personal accomplishment. If your greatest um, expectation or greatest thing in life is to be intelligent and to know the answers to everything, then you are placing your faith in education and the human mind. Okay? Okay? But for those of us here this morning who are placing our faith in Jesus Christ, our faith is in the greatness of God. For us, the greatness, uh, the greatness of our, the chain of our greatness stops at God, our creator, our savior. As we sang, right? There is none like you. We acknowledge that God is the greatest. And then we simply respond to the greatness of God by living in faith and serving his purposes and bringing him glory. Our faith will always be strongest when we believe most wholeheartedly in the greatness of God. That's what it is to live by faith. This morning, I want us to look at two passages in the Bible, all right? So if you've got your Bibles, make sure you get them out, or your phones, even if it's flip phone, all right? Try to find your Bible app on there. And uh, we're going to read a couple portions of Scripture today, um, two different stories from the life of John the Baptist, okay? Many of you will know John the Baptist as the one who prepared the way for Jesus, um, The guy who dressed in camel skin and ate locusts, dipped in honey, right, and and preached out in the wilderness, but he prepared the way for Jesus. And the first um, passage we want to read from is found in the book of John, chapter 3, starting at verse 22, okay? Um, It is on the screen here if you want to follow along as well, okay? Then Jesus and his disciples left Jerusalem and went into the Judean countryside, Jesus spent time uh, there with them, baptizing people, okay? So here's Jesus and his disciples. They're doing their thing. They're teaching about the kingdom. They're baptizing people, okay? Verse 23, at this time, same time, John the Baptist was baptizing at Anon near Salim because there was plenty of water there, and people kept coming to him for baptism. This was before John was thrown in prison. A little foreshadowing to the next story, okay? Okay. Um, a debate broke out between John's disciples and a certain Jew over ceremonial cleansing. So John's disciples came to him, John, and said, Rabbi, the man we met on the other side of the Jordan River, the one you identified as the Messiah, Jesus, he's over there also baptizing people. And everybody's going to him instead of coming to us, okay? A little bit of who's the greatest? Should they be coming to you or should they be going to him? Like, question of greatness. Um, John replies, verse 27, no one can receive anything unless God gives it from heaven. You yourselves know how plainly I told you I am not the Messiah. I am only here to prepare the way for him. It is the bridegroom who marries the bride, and the best man is simply glad to stand with him and hear his vows. Therefore, I am filled with joy at his success. He must become greater and greater, and I must become less and less. He has come from above and is greater than anyone else. We are of the earth and we speak of earthly things, but he has come from heaven and is greater than anyone else. Okay? In these verses, we see John the Baptist clearly um, sees his place in God's plan, right? Jesus has come, John has baptized him and proclaimed, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, this is the Messiah you've been waiting for. And then he's going about. He says, Now the time. Jesus must become greater and greater. I must become less and less. This is just the way it is. This is God's plan. This is how it's going to be. So from this, I want to draw this conclusion, right? That when we acknowledge God's greatness, okay, we can accept our position in life, okay? Okay? When we acknowledge God's greatness, we can more easily accept our position in life. It's those moments of clarity that God's greatness brings, right? God is God. He's doing his thing. We're honored and privileged to be a part of the plan, but it's not all about us. It's all about God, and we get to be this witness, right? Don't you love how John says it's like being a bridegroom, right? You just get to be there, stand with a front row seat to see God in his greatness at work in you and through you, but in the world, working out his plan. And this is John's place. This is his position, right? It would be the same. Imagine being Moses, right? Leading those millions of people um, into a promised land. But you're trapped between um, a body of water and the Egyptians barreling down your throat to try to bring you back into slavery. And you're like, uh, where to now? And God just says, stand by and watch. Raise your staff. Boom, does it. Pfft, water's part. Water's part the Israelites go through on dry land, right? Imagine being Moses there. It's in the, that would be a moment of clarity, right? God is pretty great. Uh, but I get a front row seat to watch God and his greatness at work around me. How amazing is that? When we acknowledge God's greatness... We can accept our position in life, okay? But if only it were always like that, right? If only there was always those mountaintop moments where you're standing there and the waters are parting and you're like, wow, glory be to God, okay? But we know it's not always like that. So that's why I want us to turn to our second story about John the Baptist, and that's found in the book of Matthew chapter 11. There's a couple of accounts of this in the Gospels, but we're gonna look at the one from Matthew chapter 11, and we're gonna read verses one through six, okay? Okay? When Jesus had finished giving these instructions to his 12 disciples, he went out to teach and to preach in the towns throughout the region. Again, Jesus is out there with his disciples now doing his thing, but it's not Jesus has given the message to his disciples. He's sending the disciples out, and, you know, things are just kind of continuing as normal, but Jesus is actually giving it over to these disciples, and the teaching's continuing, whatever, on and on and on. Okay? Verse 2. John the Baptist Okay, who was in prison? Remember our time from before? Now he's in prison. He heard about all the things the Messiah was doing. So he sent his disciples to ask Jesus, "Are you the Messiah we've been expecting, or should we keep looking for someone else? Are you the greatest? Are you the Lamb of God?" that will take away the sin of the world? Jesus told them, verse 4, go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. The blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. And tell him, God blesses those who do not turn away because of me. John's in prison. It's been a rough go for him lately. If you know the story, he spoke out pretty harshly against King Herod, who had made a pretty poor choice. Um, And he was in prison. King Herod was basically waiting for an opportunity and an excuse to kill him. But was waiting for the time. If you know the story, it does eventually happen. But John's essentially in this dark place, essentially waiting execution, and it's in the darkness of this prison cell that John sends out his followers, his disciples, to go and ask Jesus, are you really the one, right? A complete turnaround from earlier in his ministry and his life when he made such a bold proclamation, right? Poor John, Right? We've all been here in life too, haven't we? In a place of darkness, in a place of uncertainty, where the outlook is dreary, when hope is fading and where fear is taking over. It's hard in times like that to see the greatness of God. And so here's the point with this story. In John's life, we see that when we lose sight of God's greatness, we can easily question our purpose in life. Okay? Think of this. He spent his whole time, and now he's just waiting for death. Could be days away, minutes away. He doesn't know. But he invested his whole life in this one message, in this one kingdom, and, and that God, who he lovingly served, sent his son, Jesus, who is the Messiah, the land of God, who will take away the sin of the world, and he put all his cards in that basket. He's the one. He's the greatest. He's from heaven. He must become greater. I must become less. He's the, he's the, he's the... And then now he's in prison, and he's like, what, he's sending out his disciples? Why isn't the kingdom arrived already? What's going on? What are we waiting for? Is he really the greatest? We've been there, haven't we? When it's hard to see the greatness of God, and in those moments, you question God, but you also question yourself. What's my purpose? What's my role? What am I really? How is God really using me? Okay? It's hard to understand what's happening and why it's happening when we fail to see the greatness of God at work around us. So here's John. But look at the message that Jesus gives back um, to tell John, right? He says, go back to John and tell him what you have heard and seen. I love this, okay? Help John see what he cannot see in the darkness of his cell. Help John hear what he cannot hear in the darkness of his cell. Go and tell John that the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. In other words, tell him that even though he cannot see it in this moment, the greatness of God is at work in the world. Tell John that the darkness he sees right now is not, in fact, winning, that nothing can stop the greatness of God. These words that Jesus speaks are actually almost a direct um, quote from Isaiah 61, which is a very prophetic, very messianic piece of scripture. Um, and, And the message is, believe the kingdom of God is at work. Even though in your current situation, you can't see it. But by faith, hold on to the greatness of God and know the darkness is not winning. The darkness will not win because... God is greater than all of that. The message to John is God is working things out. God is mending a broken world. Things that were lost are being found. And in places where darkness once ruled, the light is beginning to rain. So take heart and take hope right? And when we're in those places, we need to hear this message of well as well. Did you catch the second thing Jesus said, says to go back in verse 6, right? And tell him, God blesses those who don't turn away because of me, okay? It's a call to faith, okay? I know you can't see it right now in your situation, but please hold on. Don't turn away. Hold on to faith, even though you can't see it. Believe and trust in the purposes of God, It's a call to trust. It's a call to faith. Because here's a reality. Jesus will not always fulfill our expectations of who we think he should be and how we think he should act, okay? But Jesus will always fulfill the purposes of God, okay? Okay? So that's what we place our faith and our trust in, even when we don't understand. And that's why Jesus says, "Blessed are you when in those dark times, when in those uncertain times, when in those times of deep, deep insecurity and fear and doubt, you do not turn away, but instead you choose to hold on." You see, regardless of life's circumstance and the good times and the bad we just saw two from John's life God asks us to hold on to our belief in His greatness. And if we can learn to hold on to his greatness, even in life's darkest moments, our faith will be stronger. I want to end this morning with three quick kind of takeaways, reminders, really, okay? The first we've already kind of talked about, um, the greatness of God is the foundation of our faith, right? We've got to remember this. The greatness of God is the foundation of our faith. Like John the Baptist, when our faith, our belief in the greatness of God is the strongest, our faith will also be the strongest, okay? Three young men were captured and taken from their homeland to live and serve another, apparently greater, kingdom. Part of the deal was that these three young men needed, like everybody else, to bow down to a statue and say, your kingdom is better than my kingdom. Your God is greater than my God. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego refused to bow down And they faced a dire consequence because of it. They faced execution by fire. And as they're being led off to their execution, they're given one more chance. And they said, you know, we want to spare your life. You're valuable to us. We can use you in our our kingdom. But you need to bow down. You need to say, this kingdom is the greatest. This God is the greatest. And these three men, facing certain death, refused to bow down. They said, we believe in the greatness of our God, and we believe that our God can save us from this fire, but even if he does not, they say, we still will not bow down. We still will not give in and acknowledge anyone other than the greatness of our, law, of our God, our one true God. Yeah. And so these three young men who did not bow also did not burn Because they faced their fire, and God saved them through that, and the greatness of God was proclaimed. And I wish I could say here this morning that every fire you face, you'll come through unscathed. I can't say that. But I can say that no matter what you're facing, what fire you're facing in your own life, you can face it acknowledging the greatness of God, and God will see you through the other side. God will see you through the other side, one way or the other, because nothing is greater than the one true God. Secondly, the greatness of God is the source of our hope. Okay, John the Baptist, he'd lost hope in prison. He lost sight of God's greatness and he also lost his hope. But if we can choose to believe in the greatness of God and we can hold on to hope, then peace will always be greater than uncertainty in our lives. The peace that God's bring will always be greater than the uncertainty. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. It was part of our worship time as well in the music. Um, I want to read it again. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank Him for all He's done. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Sounds pretty easy, right? Don't worry about anything, right? But... Is saying don't worry about anything instead replace that worry with prayer replace that worry with thanksgiving okay you don't simply forget about your worry you surrender your worry you surrender your worry and you place it into the hands of the greatness of god prayer thanksgiving thanksgiving is that thing that gives us perspective right in the darkness where do i still see the light Because if I can still see the light, I can know in the the greatness of God, even in the darkest of places. All it takes is a little spark, a little ember in that time. One of my favorite passages in the entire Bible is John 16, 33. Many of you may know it. It says this, I have told you, this is Jesus speaking, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me, okay? I have told you all this that you may have peace in me. Then he says, here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows, but take heart because I have overcome the world. You see, in the hands of the greatness of God, our worry is converted into hope, and our hope will always be stronger than the uncertainty. Thirdly, the greatness of God is the motivator of our love. You see, John the Baptist was motivated by a love of God and he faithfully served God in his purposes and his plan. He dressed in camel skin. He ate locusts and dipped him in honey with a glad heart because he knew that nothing was greater than God. He knew God's kingdom was going to stand. It was a sure thing in his books, but then prison hits, the darkness falls, and he begins to wonder if it's all true. His motivation wanes, and he begins to lose heart. He lose, loses sight of God's plan. Are you really the Messiah? Are you really the greatest? Or is there someone or something greater than you that I should have been serving? But Jesus tells John, the blind see, the lame walk, the lepers are cured, the deaf hear, the dead are raised to new life, and the good news is being preached to the poor. The darkness is not winning, and it will not win, because even though you can't see it at certain times in your life, nothing can stop our unstoppable God from bringing light into a dark world. And when we serve in Jesus' name, we can be guaranteed of that, that because of the greatness of God, the light will always be greater than the darkness. The light will always be greater than the darkness. Romans chapter 8, okay? Can anything ever separate us from Christ's love? Does it mean he no longer loves us if we have trouble or calamity or are persecuted or hungry or destitute or in danger or threatened with death? No, despite all these things, overwhelming victory is ours through Christ who loved us. The light will always be stronger than the darkness in Jesus. Therefore, Paul says later in Romans 8, I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today or our worries about tomorrow. Not even the powers of hell can separate us from God's love. There is no power in the sky above or on the earth below. Indeed, nothing Nothing in all of creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Amen. Amen. Yeah. Are you convinced? Are you convinced of that? Do you believe in the greatness of God? Because the greatness of God loves you so much. Nothing can separate you from God's love. God is greater than your fears. God is greater than your worry. God is greater than your past. God is greater than your failures. God is just simply greater than anything. God is simply greater. And if you are willing to embrace more fully the greatness of God, you will experience faith, hope, and love in ever-increasing measure in your life. In Jesus, you can know a trust that is greater than any fear in Jesus you can know a hope that is greater than any uncertainty, and in Jesus you can know a life where the where the light is always going to be greater than the darkness. Isn't that the greatest news ever? Isn't God the greatest? Let's pray. Lord God, this morning in this place we somehow want to open the smallness of our minds to the bigness of your greatness. We live in a world that tries to hide your greatness, that tries to mask your greatness, to ruin it, to break it. But our prayer this morning is that you would give us faith to trust in you, because we believe in a heart of hearts that there is none like you, Jesus. It's why we place our faith in you. And so this morning, would you teach us, your people, to trust you more completely as we look to you Would you just simply reveal to us your glory? Would you allow us to see even just a glimpse of your greatness at work in us and around us? God, thank you so much for your greatness. And thank you that even in your greatness, you still see each and every one of us. And that we can all know that nothing can ever separate us from your love. Your undeniable, undefeatable, unfailing love. Your fierce, fierce love for each and every one of us. We give you thanks and praise in the name of Jesus. Amen.